Okay, we're back. So we, uh, I don't know if y'all saw, but I put out a bonus episode on the feed on Wednesday where I interviewed a guy that was using um, Sidecar, which we can talk about later. But now we're back. Sean, Colin, Colin, Sean, Colleen, and Aaron back together again. So, Sean, what's going on in, in your world? Oh, many things, but I wanted to tell you, I was, I was just, I was up very late last night playing Dungeons and Dragons with my friends as I do most <laughs> weeks. And the, <laughs> I was driving home. I was, well, sorry, I was playing. And then all of a sudden I told my friends like, I have to leave right now. I got to go. And I, and I headed out. And the reason I had to leave was because Beth texted me the following messages. Are you home? Please respond. I heard something downstairs and I am scared. And then the next one was, well, I don't hear anything else. I assume that's you. Good night. <laughs> oh, Oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Beth. So the, it's the best not part me. <laughs> The best part was, you know, I'm like texting her, I'm like, uh no, that's you know, that's not me and she's not responding. So I called her, she's not answering, I'm like, okay. So I'm driving home, start to drive faster, and then I call her again and she answers, she is in a dead sleep, and she's just like, Ugh, why are you calling me? And I was like well, it wasn't me. She's like, oh, it was it's not nothing. me. It was nothing. It was just some noise. I'm sleeping. <laughs> oh my gosh. And was it? Did you find no, anything? It was nothing. There's nothing. <laughs> I just like how she was so annoyed. Those are the texts that she sends me. And then she's annoyed at me for, for waking, right. waking her, her up. Or following up. Yeah. Like, I just wanted to make sure no one killed you. Like, jeez. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's terrifying. I assume it's you. I'm going to sleep. Wait, yeah. wait, wait. <laughs> I am not there. <laughs> it's it's not me. <laughs> like, wait, you not play? know it's me. Why don't you just, could you ask? You could be like, Sean, is that you? You know, yeah, like, seriously. there's so many, I, <laughs> you know I'm not there. <laughs> Man, do you play every week? Uh, You know, we try. We're all busy adults in our mid-30s that get tired. So every now and then we, we're like, eh, too tired. And then we don't do it. So whenever we have energy and everybody wants to get together, we do it. We've been doing it for like seven years now. We were just figuring wow. it out last night, oh, six wow. or seven years. It's fun. It's awesome. It's fun. It's nice. Most of the time, it's like half the session is us just chit-chatting about, about shit. So it's nice. And these are my friends that are all, none of them. Well, I guess two of them are software developers, but they're not, I don't feel, it doesn't feel like they're in my like same circles at all. So it feels like a nice break. Yeah. Cool. I've never played. Not once. Really? Nope. Colleen, have you? No. She said with disdain. I know. As that came out, I was like, I sound like a jerk. Like, I didn't mean it like that. Yeah. I don't, the I don't even know what it brow is. And the brow and the quick no. It's fun. Uh, I believe the, you. It's like, um, I mean, it's, if, if you don't like computer games, like role-playing games or that kind of thing, in computer, like adventure games and computers, probably not for you, but the... But if you like adventure games and computers, and it's basically that, but like infinite flexibility, because there's a person that's like creating the game on the fly, you know, with like a human brain in response to you. So it's totally only limited by like the rules of the system you use and then your everybody's imagination. It's pretty fun. I love the idea of having a game to play as an adult, like just something yes, fun. Agreed. Like when you think about what do I do that's just for me? That's fun. The list is short. Agreed. You know, there's so many so things I we started, have to do. 
I started this, I sort of provoked this into happening like six years ago because I was very, very, very depressed. And I was like, I need a thing (laughs) that's just fun to do. And that was also like only a couple of years into when I first started going on my own to start a business. So it was like one of my strategies for coping. I sort of realized I needed to do something like that. And so I pulled in a few things. Like I have anime night with my friend. He comes over every week. You know, we watch anime together and I have the D and D and then I have exercise. And these are things that I've been doing consistently for years now that sort of keep my mental health in check. And I feel like probably everybody in the pandemic like learned that they Mm -hmm. need to do stuff like that the last year. But for me, it was just like very like no change. Right. And I already had all the things in place that I needed to like not lose my mind. (laughs) We still gamed. We played uh, online. Nobody expected we were going to be doing that for like a year. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. There it was. Yeah, that's a great excuse to just hang out with friends every week. Yeah, it's great. The game game is kind of secondary. Just being able to do that. Definitely. Awesome. Yeah. Well, did you win? Is that a valid question? (laughs) It's not a valid question. We've literally been playing the exact same adventure and campaign for six years. It just goes and goes and goes and goes. I I retract the question then. Yeah. Um, Well, like I mentioned, I I bet y'all haven't listened to it because it's very Laravel specific and very recent. But I recorded an episode on Wednesday night um, on our feed with a guy named Greg Skirman. Um, He's in Australia. So it was like 10 o'clock at night, our time and like the middle of the day for him. But I recorded an episode with him on Sidecar, which is that Laravel Lambda um, package that I wrote. And he is like, I mean, he's probably, he's definitely better at using it than I am. He's the original like Sidecar user. Um, and he's using it in production and using it to render his um, his React app. He's doing server-side rendering on a Lambda using Sidecar. So that was a lot of fun to like talk to him and hear like, wow, you're using this thing I wrote in production. You've got this whole team of developers and y'all are all using it. And so it was really fun. And if anyone listening is, um, I know a lot of people aren't Laravel people, but if you are a Laravel person, you should go back and listen to that one because it was a lot of fun. That's awesome, Aaron. Yeah, it was cool. He's super super smart. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, he's a super smart, very nice guy. Um, amazing accent because he's Australian. So it was it was a good time. So I didn't want to, you know, on some shows when you get real into like the storyline of the people that are talking and then they switch to interviews and you're like, I don't want to listen to it. I want to hear like the storyline of the people that I got into. So I don't want to do that, but I did want to put it out as like a bonus episode kind of in the middle of the week because I don't know, it was interesting. And I think he has a lot of cool stuff to say. So there you go. Awesome. Nicely done. Thanks. Um, how's client land, Colleen? It's good. It's good. I'm working on building out some really complicated queries And so it's really fun to kind of see that come together because I think, so when you think about nested queries, I think in my specs, I go down to three levels of nesting. And Mm. so this one I'm working on now, it's like five levels of nesting and there's two. Holy crap. Yeah. There's two has many throughs in there. So it is like. Um, Wait, why? 
what's five levels away that they're trying to get to? Well, it's the way it's not really what's happening is because the events table is like, I'm going to call it a join table now, even though Mm -hmm. it's not really, you know, it's the join table. So the way the relationships are set up is you are going through events to get something and then you're going back through to get something else. And then that has many, has many um, down to whatever you're trying to search on. Mm-hmm. So I'm working out some of that right now. So that's pretty interesting to see and to see how that all plays out. Are we? Are you finding that we handle it out of the box or are you having to re-implement because if we do handle infinitely nested relationships, I don't think anyone's ever pushed it that far, though. Yeah, I think there's a couple things I need to look at. Specifically, their events table is our, our glue right now mm-hmm. between these relationships. So I need to look at how that's going to be implemented. I think I mentioned that they were just kind of throwing some foreign keys on there, um, but the relationships mm-hmm. have to be defined. So it doesn't work yet. But I can't say that it's because we aren't capable of handling it. I don't know if it's an error. I don't know what the problem is yet. Um, It doesn't quite work yet. And so it's kind of neat to see what's happening and why that's happening and how that's Mm going to... I mean, it almost kind of sort of works. But uh, I think I get out to like... Because I think it's... if If I recall, it's... I get out to... Mm, I don't have it in front of me, like pages with a product with a name, like that's fine. Mm -hmm. But it was, I think the has many through events, um, views of a type, which are Mm -hmm. like different classes where it's not quite working yet. So it's kind of a fun problem. And you know, I'm really happy because sometimes just setting up the problem space takes you a while. So Mm -hmm. I felt like this whole week was just me wrapping my head around setting up the relationships because like I said they just threw they were like oh we want this 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 but since the events table isn't really live yet Mm -hmm. um the foreign keys were there but the actual relationships on the rails side weren't there so I had to go through first and figure out what those relationships were and add them and then I had to figure out how to write a system test and you've seen the UI so the system test was a little exciting just trying to figure which which capybara element am I clicking? Like, how mm-hmm. do I select that in a turbo frame? And so I'm now in the position where I've got the, the failing test and I've got all the relationships defined for these five models that are, you know, um, intertwined. So I can actually now jo- dive into what um, our stuff more does, which is the, the back end stuff mm-hmm. to figure out why it's spitting out where it's spitting out. But yeah, so it's actually a really good place to be in because um, it feels like the, f- the more fun work as opposed to the setup work. Right. The infrastructure work to get to the spot. I hate that stuff. Like, So I, I just like... It's so frustrating. Up, it drives me nuts. Like, it, I, I cannot tell you the number of times it's like, how do I select this damn select box? Because sometimes it works this way. Sometimes there's an element in front. Stuff like that is annoying. So are you so using... When- I've, I've never used Capybara. Are you using Capybara to drive front end like filter creation, like clicking on yeah, the system filter test. stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So it's fun though. So Andrew has magic test, which I got to play around with, which yeah. is pretty cool. It doesn't mm-hmm. quite work for this use case, um, but it was still fun. And it's really, ultimately, once I figured it out, like how to use it for m- what I was trying to do, it really did speed up 
the development of the system test, which was pretty fun. Yeah, that's cool. He, um, so magic test is like a rails, like helper that lets you, um, I think it like opens your terminal and you can click around on the browser and the two are synced together and then it writes the test for you. Right. Yes. So there's a version of that. Andrew worked with a guy called, um, I think it's Mateus, um, uh, and Laravel. And there's a Laravel version of that too, um, called magic test. And so we have that thanks to Andrew and this guy, Mateus. It seems very cool. I haven't had a chance to use it, but it seems pretty cool. Yeah, it didn't work. The The whole concept of like clicking in the browser and then flushing it to your, you know, to your spec or your test, it didn't quite work. But I mean, <laughs> not it's quite so magical. <laughs> not quite, well, he's very open about how it's in intense development right now. But even though it didn't quite um, do what, I thought it was going to do or what I wanted it to do. It was really helpful with being able to like look at the individual selectors. I mean, cause with mm-hmm. the, the turbo frame thing, like it's just a little bit harder for whatever reason, it was a little bit harder to like pinpoint the specific elements. And anyway, so overall it was great. I'm super excited about magic test and its development and that kind of annoying setup part is done. So that's good. Yeah. I'll be curious when you, so it sounds like you're in a spot where you can actually start doing the, the refine work. I'll yes. be curious when you get into that, what you discover and if we need to pull anything back to the Laravel side, because we do like, if everything is set up correctly in terms of like the models have the relationships and everything, all the keys and everything are there. If everything is set up correctly, in theory, we can do infinitely nested because you know we have that whole tracks pending and you just add more pendings all the way through so if you find that that doesn't work we may like let me know and we can bring it back to the laravel side too yeah well and truthfully i don't know if it doesn't work because the algorithm is wrong or if it doesn't work because i didn't implement it quite right so i have to figure that out first yeah Um, oh such good data such good data yeah it's i mean i actually know like well we don't have to We'll talk about it later, but um, I have uh, it's fun. It's it's good stuff to look at. Good, cool. Well, that sounds exciting. Yeah. Any, anything else over there? I did want to ask you. You had dropped me a message the other day about databases not being able to handle a certain number of IDs. Yeah. And I didn't follow up on that with you. Can you tell me more yeah. about that? Absolutely. So the context there is we, you and I had talked, I think on the show, but maybe not. I think so. Um, You and I had talked about um, a conversation you and Andrew had had where y'all were thinking about um, instead of doing a bunch of subselects and letting the database handle the subselects, you were thinking about doing a query, pulling all of the IDs in to memory in Ruby, and then binding that to another query that you then execute, right? So instead of having nested subselects, um, kind of putting Ruby in the middle and taking the IDs. We had talked about that, yes. There is a prob- problem, and I don't know where the problem lies. I don't know if it's um, in, for example, MySQL, I don't know if it's at the PHP library that binds everything into the query for MySQL, but I've run into it before where 
<clears throat> if you get too many placeholders, so let's say you run one of those inner queries and it returns 20,000 IDs that you're then trying to use a where in to find later, right? So now you've got 20,000 IDs in memory and you're trying to bind that into a SQL statement and run that. Um, at least PHP and MySQL will not allow that many placeholders. So it'll throw an exception that says too many, like I think it's error too many placeholders or something like that. And I think the max number of placeholders, it's wild. It's like 5,000. But when you're talking about, you know, pulling IDs in it, you could end up with a hundred thousand IDs. Yep. So you would have to check, um, if that limit exists in Ruby and Postgres, I'm sure 90% sure that it does. Um, but that would be a real problem because, it wouldn't work. It would it would fail at runtime for certain queries, which would be bad news. Got it. Does that make sense? Indeed. So I don't know where it exists, but it does exist. So something to be beware of. Um, and I still think pulling it into memory would be slower, regardless. But that's something that we can only solve by testing. Cool. Um, let's see. Oh, guys, I can walk. <gasps> yes, tell us. Look at this. This is great, great radio here, but look. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I can stand up on my own. I can walk. I can get out of bed. Are your toes still numb? How are you feeling? My toes are still numb. Yeah. So I had the surgery. I had back surgery for a herniated disc. I had the surgery on Monday. Um, and by Tuesday, I could walk, um, which was not the case before that. So I feel great. All the nerve pain is gone. I have a lot of leftover pains. I mean, I was, you know, laying in bed curled up for four weeks. And so my muscles are all tight and fragile. Um, and I still have ner- um, numbness. So I have numbness on my calf down to my toes my three outer toes are all numb and i talked to the doctor and he said that that could take months to come back which was surprising to me months um months but he so what he described was the disc has been pushing on the nerve and wearing down i think it's the myelin sheath of the nerve something like that um so that's gone right now and it will come back. And as it comes back, the numbness will go away. So he released, when he cut part of the disc out, he released all that pressure. So it's not pushing anymore, but there's still some damage that needs to be repaired. But hey, I can walk. I took, I took an almost 10 minute walk the other day, which was too long and I hurt after that. But still, I can walk and I feel like I got my life back. So that's pretty great. That's awesome. Yeah. It was pretty it was pretty dark there for a little bit. <laughs> but I'm back. So feeling pretty good. Was back in the shed on Wednesday working and nice to actually be doing stuff again. Were you actually doing day job work the whole time? While I was out, like down? Yeah. No, so I took probably I took the whole first week off and then I took most of the second week off. And then the third week I was able to lay on my back more instead of just my side. And so I worked, I worked that week, but yeah, I probably took, I don't know, 10 days of PTO. Um, 
Yeah. The first week was the darkest because I couldn't lay on my back. And so literally I was just laying on my side, which means I can't like use my computer. So I'm laying on my side watching cocaine cowboys on my phone and was just like super depressed. Yeah. So, and Jennifer's like handling, you know, caring for the twins all by herself. And it was just, it was kind of dark. <laughs> oh, you know? man. Yeah. Tough. Like logistics of trying to help yourself while you can't even yep. sit up. <laughs> oh yeah. God. So she's, she's caring for, you know, two, three month olds and a husband that can't like get up and get food by himself and needs new ice packs every hour. And <laughs> it was brutal. That's awful. Yeah. So good news. Good report. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. Aaron. Yeah. Thanks. I'm really like, I can't, I told the doctor this. I said, I bet you hear this all the time, but I am just so grateful. And I feel like I got my life back and I'm really appreciative. And he was like, Oh, we just need to get you back on your feet. Uh, yeah. I bet he gets it all the time, but it meant, you know, obviously meant a lot to me because it's, this, this is the first time I've had back surgery. So yeah, hopefully the only time, <laughs> hopefully the only time. Yeah. The, uh, the plan of action now is to lose like 20 pounds and gain some core strength and flexibility. So yeah, I'm too old to do nothing. Unfortunately, which is a real pity because I'm not that old. No, you're really not. <laughs> so those are my ailments. Sean, are you are you sleeping? How's your sleep window? Still going. It's still an experiment. I feel like it's definitely consolidating. But yeah, this will be. I'm coming up on the end of the third week, um, which is totally normal. Could be you know, taking another week or two for me to really see it dramatically improve. But like last night I was right. So I was up till 1230. I still woke up at six, but I think I woke up one time and really only for like a few seconds and then went right back to bed. So that's, uh, that's good. Normally in the past, you know, I stayed up that late and then I just would toss and turn and get, I would feel like utterly trashed the day after gaming typically but i feel sleepy but fine so it's it's definitely different it's uh Good. i think it's happening slowly okay do you track it like your do you have one of those monitors that tracks your rem sleep yeah so those are garbage okay um <laughs> those are totally useless yeah but the how, how do you really feel <laughs> well no i just know like from being an insomniac, of course, I'm an expert in everything to do with sleep and sleep-related uh, technology. Uh, those are those are tr- atrociously bad at detecting sleep stages, especially deep sleep. Um, they're not useless because maybe you could use them consistently and get some sort of like directional data that mm-hmm. gives you like, yeah, all right, so this night was a little bit worse than the last night. But then also at the same time, Usually you can tell because you just wake up and you feel like you're not as refreshed. So yeah. uh, overall, you know, those aren't particularly useful. But the what I do is, yes, I am I am keeping a sleep log uh, just for my sanity so that I could see like, oh, okay, it is indeed like consolidating and somewhat improving. But it's a simple like um, time in bed. Like when do I when did I turn off the lights and go to sleep? When did my alarm go off and I got out of bed? 
And then how long did it take me to fall asleep? And how long do I think I was awake? And then I list a subjective like sleep quality. And then like how rested do I feel number on like scale one to 10. Um, and so it's mostly subjective and like most people over report how much they sleep. So like if I feel like I slept for seven hours in a seven and a half hour window, probably it was, well, so the, the science on that is that if you feel like you're an eight hour sleeper, you probably sleep closer to like seven or seven and a half hours a night. Don't even realize it. So like the more you think you sleep, the more off you probably are. Uh, and then the lower your number is like, usually the correlation gets a little bit tighter. Um, but either way, it's just for me like subjectively because that's really what matters it's not like it's subjectively how do i feel do am i starting to feel like my sleep is accomplishing more things for me uh and that's definitely starting to happen like it feels my sleep feels different for sure i also have a thing that records me snoring which is just something i'm curious about like Hmm. how how bad do i snore and are there some nights where it's worse than others and does that make it worse or not that's basically it. I, the thing about being an insomniac is uh, generally speaking, you don't want to track your sleep. That's bad uh, because the insomniac is like the main problem is you're just obsessed with it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like you're like, Oh, sleep is like a problem. I have to solve. And I worry actually about these sleep trackers and people that, uh, you know, have kind of like poor quality sleep, but are susceptible to um, these types of thoughts. I actually think they'll probably, make things worse for people rather than better. I actually worry about that a little bit, but anyway, insomnia topic over. I, feel <laughs> I could talk about that for a long time. So we'll, we'll just say, yes, it's ongoing, but getting better. And not using a sleep tracker. Got it. Okay. Correct. <laughs> um, so you posted a screenshot of something interesting this week. Y'all were looking at, um, a thing called, what was it called? Command bar. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, is that command what it was bar. called? Yeah. Command bar, command bar.com. So this is like, um, <clears throat> it's like a spotlight or a finder or an Alfred or any of those quick action things, but for your web app. And so they're they're I think their model is similar to ours, um, where it's like, they've built this, you know, seemingly really complex thing and you can just buy it and drop it into your web app and add the actions and you're off to the races. And so you don't have to build, you don't have to build all this stuff. Um, there's this so one Sean, step above ours. Okay. So you took this internal to your company. So tell me, tell us what it was, how it's different, how it's the same and what the conversation was like. So command bar, command bar is one step above us. In terms, of, I think we're low code. Command bar is no code, so you buy command bar, and then you know there's some tiny amount of work you have to do to get it into your app. But then, at like probably just a script tag or something. I don't, I don't know exactly what it is, but then they have a web like interface. You can log in and then set up your rules and actions and stuff like that in the in the web interface. That's also where they track the number of users that you have and that's how they charge <clears throat> sorry i was running so now i'm out of breath <laughs> um okay so yeah so I, I brought that up with my with my boss it's like hey this would help us with some of our navigational 
issues. It'd be like a quick thing we could drop in. It doesn't work for us because we're on prem. I didn't realize that they had this other step where you had to like have access to the internet and our stuff frequently does not. So, so it doesn't work for us, but before we even really realized that the conversation started right away into why don't we just roll our own? (laughs) And I think that that is like going to be our primary competitor is people wanting to, or thinking it's trivial to just roll their own, which Mm -hmm. in some cases will probably be true. So like how many of those types of customers we scoop up, I think depends on the marketing that we do, how we acquire customers, Mm -hmm. like what channel they come through, how much education we've done to get to the point where they're making the sale and then also the price. So um, a higher price is going to push more of that type of customer into rolling their own. If it's like a, Oh, we just need like this one off. We don't need all of the full features that this thing offers. So we have to keep that in mind in terms of how we package our offering how we do price, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, well, how we price discrimination, basically. Like, how do we put, get our pricing so that the, the right customers pay the right amounts, basically? So, uh, tell me how the conversation like how did the conversation about command bar progress? Y'all, you said you mentioned like, should we roll our own? Where did that, where did that lead you before? I guess you discovered that command bar wasn't viable at all. What, what were y'all talking about and what would have like, what would have helped command bar sell it to you to say like, no, this is actually very hard. Don't roll your own. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. So I felt like at that moment when he brought up, well, we could just roll our own. Well, if, if they had had in their marketing copy something that was like, you know, here are all of the things that it does, or here are all of the challenges that you'll have trying to write your own, like, like for example, I could see a landing page where it's like, have you, cause a lot of people have tried to roll their own query builder mm-hmm. or, you know, kind of half-assed version of a query builder mm-hmm. and that is something that most people know is hard. So just like a, like if you've done it, <laughs> so then mm-hmm. like a, a small reminder of like why that's a pain and why you don't need to do it. Something that might make sense for us to, to have in our copy for the command bar. It doesn't make sense because they're a no code solution. So Got developers it. are not their market. So right. why would they do that? Um, they don't really care about us. They're like, well, those guys are, going to probably be a pain in the butt to convert because they're going to think they can roll their own. <laughs> so let's right. get that and here and we are. go to the marketing <laughs> department. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's the, that's the other thing is like, is there, is there a no code route that we could follow? I think about that a lot with this. It's like, I don't think we should right now, especially since we're not like we are developers. So we know developers and that's an advantage and we got to like, fire on all cylinders, take advantage of every advantage that we have. And one of the advantages that we have is we're developers. And so if our audience is developers, that's an advantage to us. So 
but uh, something to like think about keep in mind uh, in terms of you know we talked about like there's the first step of the company getting to like two to five hundred thousand dollars a year or something like that then how do we get to that three million dollar a year company can we do that with just you know uh, with just our audience, with just that type of marketing, or is there something else we need to do to get there? So yeah. I'm just starting to think about that. Yeah, I think no code, I think that's great. And I think the way that we could do that is like the integrations that we've talked about, right? So exactly. instead of integrating with Laravel Nova, which is low code still, we would integrate at a platform level with something like Bubble or any of these other, I don't know. Um, Webflow. Webflow, yes. Any of those. Um, and I don't know if that's like plug-in marketplace or whatever, but being able to offer that kind of stuff inside some existing no-code um, platform seems seems like a good way to go. It will be much cheaper, but the volume could be much higher. Yeah, exactly. But every time I think about that, it's so it so integration is definitely the route to go. There are some places where we can do an integration and still be targeting developers and that's not that big a change and that's just a good channel and we should try to do that. But then well, as soon as I start thinking about integrating into like, I don't know, Shopify, I mean, I guess there's Shopify consultancies. There's probably ways that we could do it and still be doing it with developers, but there's probably an advantage to doing some kind of Shopify integration that is just like a one click add on for your, mm-hmm. for your items, you know, um, that's no code, but then that's a totally different customer. Mm. So something to think about. That sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing Like these, I really think that getting into platforms like this is, absolutely the way we make this an actual like large business or you know large in quotation air quotes like to us type of business um so that's uh, that's kind of where my mind is at right now with that longer term stuff yeah that's interesting yeah when you pasted that screenshot uh, sorry colleen go ahead i was say doesn't margaret have a shopify empire or she did she did yeah, she so we should talk. Remember recently, uh, before she burned it to the ground. <laughs> we should oh, remember that's to talk to her about it when we see her. Exactly. That's yeah. that's like one of the top things I want to talk about while I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. She's coming right to the retreat. Yeah, she's she's able to get a ticket. Yeah. Um. So this is a big reveal because I've never revealed this. I have a secret Shopify store that I haven't launched yet, but I went through. I, I built it out and. It's ready to go. I just need to like actually pull the trigger on it. But there's a filter plugin there and it's not great. Like it's, it's bad. Um, and that's definitely something that Shopify doesn't offer out of the box. And so I think that would be a great place to, to have one. What are you selling yeah. at your secret uh, yeah, that, Shopify? I knew, store. I knew that question was coming. Um, let me grab one. This is like a first ever. Um, this has never been revealed to anyone anywhere, and now I'm going to have to launch it. Um, do y'all remember Calvin and Hobbes? Of course. Yeah. And how, how lovely and wonderful it is. Um, so last year, in like 
Oh, probably May or June. The tax season got real slow. So like work slowed down. Jennifer and I were having a real tough time trying to get pregnant. It was the pandemic. It was just, it was a bad time. And so I was looking for like something away from the computer, like something kind of physical to do and to just like zone in to something that's not sitting here and being depressed in my house, like everyone else in the country. And this idea that I've had for like, honestly, five, six, seven years is to take Calvin and Hobbes. um, There's a, I forget what it's called, the complete collection where it's printed on heavyweight paper um, to take Calvin and Hobbes books and cut them up, um, cut out a single panel and then mat and frame it. So I have like, here's one of them. Uh, it's real reflecty. Cool. So I take, I find panels that work well as singles. And then I have these double mats um, where I mat them and then I frame them. And so you end up with like an eight by 10 Calvin and Hobbes single panel. Um, I've got a couple others hanging around here. And then some of them, like the title pages can be full eight by 10 um, artwork. And so those end up being like 16 by 20 when they're all matted and framed. And so it's like a Calvin and Hobbes art website. And I also have, you can see it. <coughs> also have these Calvin and Hobbes mugs, ignore the thing in the top. So it's like a silhouette of Calvin and then a silhouette of Hobbes on the other side. And so, yeah, I've got the whole I've got the whole website set up. I've got all the stuff matted and I missed. So the thing was I missed the holiday season last year and I was like, okay, I'm just going to wait until next year. But now that it's September, it's probably time to turn it on. So yeah, I have, I have a Shopify store with that sells physical, physical products and it's, uh, well, I'll save the domain for now, but yeah, it's fun. So there you go. Random fact of the day. Nice. Um, I think the last thing we probably need to talk about is um, the October launch and leading up to that. So we want to talk about the view and our plans and timing on that stuff. Yeah. Um, So I'm pumped about getting started on that this weekend. I've got... So Isaac is at a sleepover, so that means tomorrow it's just me and Beth, so I should be able to work out. It should be no big deal for me to work out with her for me to just work on it tomorrow a bunch. So what I'm, my plan is get it loaded back into my brain, mm-hmm. uh, step one. And then step two, talk with you, Aaron, because you expressed interest in pitching in potentially this weekend mm-hmm. to figure out how you could. So I'll... Okay. I just need to know what I'm doing first and then, uh, and then I'll be able to break it up and we can both uh, bang on it this weekend and see how far we get. Okay. And if we could probably make sense to line up when we're working on stuff potentially. So that okay. way, I don't know. I think if we just do like we back in the good old days, we just screen share for a couple hours and then work on code or, you know, like uh, okay. do a video call. Um, but yeah, that's, <clears throat> that's all I'm at with that is like, okay, time to start working on it. I've only got a couple of weekends to, to yeah. do it. So we'll I see. Do. 
what's possible. Seriously. I There was some discussion about view two versus view three. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's likely whatsoever that we'll be able to do both by, you know, our like soft launch deadline that we were self-imposing on ourselves. Okay. Um, but I'll look at it and see, see what I think. Okay. I think it'd make more sense for me to just ignore that and just get the view two thing working for now and be like, Hey, maybe we could do the view thing and view three thing and squeeze it in. But yeah. the thing about that is there's like, I, I don't even know how to, um, like we have it set up. So we're building a package right now, but yeah. like, I already forgot how I did that. And I have almost zero experience setting that up. So there's this whole ball of wax there that I need to get into to f- make sure I'm doing that. Yeah. The right I way. actually, I actually spent a lot of painful time last week or the week before figuring that, that out for some torchlight packages. Um, Perfect. And so I can, I can do some of that um, or I can help with some of that, but it, it is, extremely frustrating and it really it really made me mad um so i have some learnings there that i can help with okay that's that's perfect that will be awesome so i have no interest in learning about that whatsoever (laughs) and i think you claimed did you claim the hammerstone organization on npm i think you did long time ago and yeah but did i i had that set up wrong too like I remember, yeah, okay. I remember, like I did something, I did something dumb when I set that up and I can't remember what I did. Okay. Uh, so we'll have to, I'll look at that. That's fine. Or you can look, actually you look at that because yeah, if you add I'll, me, I don't, I'll do the code. Yeah. Yeah. If you add me, I can, I can start working on the packaging. If you keep working on the code that Colleen, that's one of those, like you were talking about infrastructure stuff where you got to like set a bunch of garbage up this is the worst one. Like yeah. I just want to write the code. I don't want to deal with the goddamn packaging of ESM common JS, whatever all that garbage is. It must be bad. Cause you almost said a swear word. I know. <laughs> I know. That's how mad I am. You guys should know. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Um, okay. Yeah. So, Keep going. Did you have anything else there? You're going to get it yeah, loaded. That's it. Started. Okay. Oh, yeah. Cool. There's one other thing. We have to reach out to Adam Wathan. Is that who you say his name? Wathan. Never actually. Wathan? Wathan. Wathan. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we need to reach out to him to make sure that we're cool to use Tailwind UI. I, I'm pretty sure we are, but we just need to send an oh, email. Oh, that's right. To For say, our um, like form elements that we're distributing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, based on my reading of their license, we're good, but just we should... We should. Yeah, check. I think that's a courteous thing to do. I I agree. I think we're okay. But once we have something that we can show him, I think that would be the courteous thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, smart. I forgot about that. Um, I think that's probably it. Um, do y'all have anything else? Nope. 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 Okay. Well, I think we'll end it there then. <laughs>